Three Steve Vines, how are you? Good morning. I tell you what, if you today were a cushion and blanket salesman, you would clean up. I know, I know, but I think you're being a little sarcastic. If I, I don't may think say I so. am actually. <laughs> I don't know what you are, but the fact of the matter is, it's a big day. It's a big day in schools, big day for person kind, because Mr. Lee Fay is going to make his famous speech. Um, and, um, of course, uh, I'm sure the listener is already preparing for it. Have you got your pencil sharpened? Get up, get up. Pa- pencil sharpened, notepad ready, because he's going to tell us um, all about the basic law. In fact, he's chairman of the basic law committee. And um, he's here. He's here to inform us what's going on. Schools, uh, as many of them as possible, are going to force their pupils to listen to it. Apparently, this cunning plan to expand the independence movement <coughs> in schools um, wasn't necessarily initiated by Mr. Lee himself. Apparently, that was something the education department did all on their own. Bless. Just when you think it's going away. Yeah, no, just I when mean, you think it's going away, they say, how can we reignite this latent movement how can we make students feel so rebellious that they'll start in, in, spontaneously handing out leaflets calling for hong kong independence well this could be a way to do it so congratulations every one of you stand up take a pat on the back mr and mrs education bureaucrat it's so funny isn't it because i mean well let's face it steve nobody has a crystal ball no. so you can't say this would never happen because you know logic says that we can't foretell the future but it's just a thing that people chat about. Yeah, I mean... Um, and, and, and people aren't taking it, I don't think so, that seriously, the well, student... Well, I think, you know, all, all the usual the usual sort of um, crawlers will be along going, oh, Mr. Lee, oh, thank you, Mr. Lee, oh, yeah, Mr. Lee, that's been really interesting. So you'll get all of that and, and you know, stand by for tomorrow's newspapers with Lee Fay, you know, lays it out and... Um, <laughs> what, what, what time is Lee Fay away, then? Well, all I can recommend the listeners to do is be prepared the entire day. I wouldn't like to put a specific time on it, mainly because I don't know. We used to get tired and bored with programmes that were meant to be for us <laughs> as six-year-olds. Yes, I yes. feel for these guys. I do. But, I mean, he has got a bit of a problem here because he's going to be part of this. We'll be explaining how Article 18, which says that... Uh, the, the Article 18 in the basic law, I hasten to add, um, which says very clearly, you know, mainland law cannot be applied into Hong Kong. How that's going to work when mainland law is being applied in Hong Kong in the new um, cross-border checkpoint terminal combustion um, thing that's going on in West Kowloon. Yep. So um, they're, they're, they're really, I mean, talk about knickers and a twist. There's there's all sorts of knicker twisting going on because, you know, the, the great idea, which is now looking increasingly shabby, um, was, oh, well, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll designate this bit of Hong Kong as not being Hong Kong. That will be the mainland for the foreseeable future. Well, so. let's face it, Steve, it did work for a hundred-odd years, <laughs> didn't it? <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, but in slightly different context, and it wasn't just a railway station. Yes. Um, so the railway station is now going to be in the mainland. Mm, OK, that's, that's interesting. And um, they're going to uh, use, apparently, or not use, maybe, or if they do, maybe they will, maybe they won't. And it's all very clear, but let me just say, without fear of qualification, that Article 20 of the Basic Law, mm-hmm. and, and if the listener has not been, uh, you know, 
starting the basic get down today. to your six-year-old get, school today get, get, <laughs> get it out it's a it's a cracking read i tell you available yeah. in all good bookshops no other brands are available um anyway get down to your bookshop get your article 20 out and you'll see that in article 20 um the um the, the provinces and various other bits and pieces of of the people's paradise um are allowed to adopt um, instructions from the National People's Congress Standing Committee, um, which tells them to do this, that, and the other. Now, right. the question is, because it isn't actually going to be part of Hong Kong legislation, what exactly is this jurisdiction? When Rimsky Korsakoff Yoon was in in Legco yesterday, uh, and he is the Secretary for Justice, and he has a he's a very nicely cut suit, incidentally. I hope you noticed that. Um, he was asked these questions, and he said, without fear of uh, contradiction. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> nobody, nobody could question those famous words. Those that Churchillian role he has to his statements. So we'll, we'll see. see. We will see them here. <laughs> we'll see them now, and we'll see them. Um, yes. Um, anyway, so um, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Uh, meanwhile, meanwhile, the government, in its infinite wisdom has devised this absolutely cunning and cracking plan hmm. for how to get votes through LegCo because indeed LegCo did vote yesterday in principle because it's not a binding motion for this co-location agreement even though they weren't told by Ripsky Korsakoff you how it would be implemented they still voted for it and I mean honestly the government's solution to these problems is is infallible what you do is where you think people are going to vote against you you just expel them so so now they've expelled Next. six people from the chamber and they've got a majority i mean it's magic honestly i L mean lewis carroll did it first though well right? lewis carroll did but you know who reads him old, old white guy that's right yeah and dead incidentally in case you hadn't you're not up with the news completely dead yes Anyway, so Lewis Carroll's dead. Um, um, Carrie Lamb is still alive. Yeah. And Legco, mm, alive uh, or dead, we're not sure, but verdict's out on that one. I rarely, rarely see a Steve Vines you grasping to get some logic out of this, but even you can't, can you? No, not a, not a scintilla of it. But then, I mean, we've got more coming up, yeah. more legislation. It's, 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 it, it, let it roll. What's so happening? the new one that's coming up, and it's very, very urgent, very, very urgent. I mean, can't wait a minute, is the new law that's going to be brought in to um, Boo. booing, booing <laughs> the national anthem or being disrespectful of the national anthem. This will not stop. This is something that they've got their knickers into an enormous twist over. And what makes me laugh is the two um, principal knicker twisters, Rita Fan and Maria Tam, um, the great stalwarts from the colonial order, that would be Rita Fan, member of the British Empire, uh, not mentioned these days, uh, Maria Tam, loyal slave to the colonial regime, now comfortably installed as redder than red, have been, both of them have been talking about how... Hong Kong will look to the international community. <laughs> Too late, that how, ship sailed. <laughs> how, how terrible people will think of Hong Kong if they don't implement the National Anthem Law. Now, uh, I have a friend who lives in Solihull who said to me that in Solihull people are talking of little else. They are going up and down Solihull. in the Solihull Bugle? Uh, high Street going, <laughs> I wonder where Get the Hong ship. Has what? Hong Kong implemented the National Anthem? Laura, I'm very worried about that. I'm, 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 I'm not buying any more sliced bread until I know whether that uh, piece of legislation has wafted its way through. But what's interesting about this, among other things, I mean, this is the stu sheer stupidity of it, but hey, 
um, we know where to find that. But what really interests me is these are the two people who keep telling us pompously, self-righteously and very repetitively it's not anybody else's business what goes on in Hong Kong these people should not interfere yes. with Hong Kong affairs now they're citing concerns of foreigners over what goes on in Hong Kong as being one of the big reasons why we have to have this national anthem law I have to say it's a, it, I'm trying to get my head around it uh, I don't know, I mean, they never think up anything original, so someone must have fed them this line. They both came out with it together and separately. Um, so that must be the new the new mantra. Worry what foreigners will think if the national anthem law isn't implemented. Meanwhile, you've got Elsie Leung, the former Secretary for Justice, even before Rimsky Yoon was invented, um, going around going, well, you know, mm, retrospective application seems like a good idea to me. Uh, how? They always miss out the how paragraph. Well, well um, and as many people in many, many people who've actually read law books, that would, wouldn't be me, but there are people who've done that and mm. some of them do it for a living, have said well, you know, if you think you can get that kind of legislation standing up in a constitutional court where you've got uh, the sort of jurisdiction that we have in Hong Kong where retrospectivity is simply a no-no um, good luck to you. But I think, again, I think this is another cunning plan. I think they're going to dangle the prospect of making it retrospective, a la Elsie Leung's recent statement. And then they're going to say, I tell you what, I tell you what, we're going to make a major concession. It's not going to be retrospective. It's going to be like all other laws. You know, it, 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 it's like going into um, one of those sort of um, rather dodgy shops. You're going, uh, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll give you two of these for price of one, two of these for price of one. The fact that they're three times the price of yeah. everybody else's. I mean, it's exactly the same principle as you dangle something totally ludicrous and unacceptable. And, what and then you say, well, I'll tell you what, tell you what, tell you what, we're not going to have that. We're going to have the original. And if you think about it, what they're actually saying is two of these for the price of three. Yes, or four. Yeah. yeah. But can well, you tell me what you think? I mean, we, yes, everybody's chatting about this stuff. If you were to take three or four steps back, you're like, you're kidding me. They're going bananas about a song. Uh, yeah, well, there is that. What, I do, mean, what do you take from that? Well, my take from that is that you get respect for national institutions by making them respectable. By earning it. By earning it. It's like everything else, you know. Um, why, why do... Uh, I mean, let's talk about the thing which seems to upset the most. Why do people go along to a football match? Not because they have to go along. It's because they think the players are going to put on a good show. i tell you what, though. And they support those teams with a passion because they've earned their loyalty. So why can't the country do that? I think these guys could get into trouble with the composers and performing rights guys because if you think of dum, 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 dum... It's just the same as dum da dum 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 da. Same notes. Yeah, well, it was somebody's. Well, the song was as as I I like to remind people at every possible opportunity. This sacred Chinese anthem was in fact composed by a Russian fellow called Davidovich. So maybe he was more familiar with European tunes. I can't remember what his first name was. I know his family name was Davidovich. Um, um. Maybe he was a bit more familiar with Western tunes than he was with uh, Chinese tunes. The fact of the matter is that it's, it's, as you say, it's a song. Well, it's also like C, many, E and G. You can't really yeah, go wrong, can you? Like, well, yeah. <laughs> well, a musician speaks. Who knew? Who knew that well, sort is, of it's stuff? The, it's the first three white notes that kids play on the piano. Oh, right. Well, they're, they're doing it, and they're doing it for their nation.
But then I mean, stand, I'm standing up while we're having this conversation. You better be. If I, if I go bomb, 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 <laughs> yes, stand I, up. I, I'm, I'm rigidly standing up. Now. But I'll tell you what. We mentioned this before, and I'm dead curious. If you're going to get really, really pernickety about it, if somebody sings it, if a proper singer or a musician massacres it by playing yeah. it badly, you imagine one of these bands, these yeah. old, these despotic state bands, like, oh, there's a place that, where there's a bit of a coup going on at yeah, the moment. Yeah, yeah. What, they're awful military bands. Yes. If one of those mashes it, and, and there's a bit of a wrong note. Yeah. Well, not just a bit. Yeah. Well, well, this is this is again the problem with this law, is that you know you've got. In fact, Elsie raised this very point yesterday. She said, "Oh well, you know, it's got to be majorly disrespectful." Well, these are all subjective judgments. What does you know for one person's major is another person's minor? Is is somebody sneezing in the middle of the na- national anthem a major, a major? Uh, all right, we we could go on doing these sillies all morning, I know, right? I know. But the point is that the point that it does bring up is. What then is the real reason for this? And what indeed is the real reason for this? It is this fanatical and obsessive fear that the central authorities seem to have that Hong Kong is somehow slipping away from control and that people here aren't respectful, aren't doing as they're told. So the only way to overcome that... Give them a rule. Is give them a rule. (laughs) And as everybody who knows about drafting laws knows, is that rules that aren't specific uh, and are capable of multiple interpretations are pretty damn useless. I mean, the implementation, you know, if if a speeding limit is 50 kilometres an hour and someone does 65 kilometres, you know what the problem is. It's also another one of those grey areas of victimless crimes. Yes, well, they say the victim is the dignity of the nation. Yeah. So, you know, go 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 play with that one on your Radio 3. I tell you what, Steve, before we go to the news, check this out. Alan, good morning. He said, look, these guys listen. He said, Lewis Carroll wasn't the first to stack Parliament with non-sentient supporters. He said, surely that would be Caligula, who supposedly appointed his horse as a consul, like most scurrilous stories about Roman emperors, probably completely made up by the Roman equivalent of Fox News. <laughs> Can I just say, Caligula wasn't all bad. You're going to think of some more now. Yeah, next time, no more Mr. Nice Guy. No more Mr. Nice Guy. And you don't get played by Derek Jacobi in the film either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Right, nice one, Alan. If you've got anything else to say, Morning Brewer RTH. Still in with Steve Vines, it's 20 to 11. Um, I'm, um, I'm thinking about, and in fact people think about little else, the, the, the very, very brave initiative that the government's taken of appointing consultants apparently they've never done this before but apparently they're going to appoint consultants to study what's going on with the cross harbour tunnels <laughs> and it's really really difficult to understand for example one tunnel charges twice as much as the other tunnels and gets a fraction of the traffic of those tunnels you really need an expert to come in and explain why that might be so I'm I'm completely foxed by that. I mean, you know, it seems to me very difficult to understand why three three tunnels going across the harbour, all charging different prices, have uneven traffic flows. Completely inexplicable. Um, but anyway, consultants will be employed, and no doubt they'll be paid a fair whack of money to do this um, insightful... Do they get um, more if they go for the Western Tunnel? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, they charge extra to go through the Western Tunnel. When they're, when they're consulting, you know, because you... Was, ah, yes, this is a big thing about consulting. You do on-site visits. You ever yeah. heard of one of those? Yeah. Bill? Yes. And you get, to, you get to bring out your clipboard, which is... Ooh, I mean, you know, there's so much fulfilment to be had in bringing out clipboard. So anyway, what they will find when 
they make the site visit and they consult the stakeholders pragmatically pragmatically and open-mindedly they will find that the cross harbour tunnel of the western persuasion is in fact a very fine tunnel and it's uncluttered by traffic and then they will go oh yes that's interesting oh gosh it's oh it's a jolly expensive tunnel i wonder if there's any connection between that and the fact that there's not much traffic going through it and they will make a report the report will then be subject to a public consultation we hope and then there will be a process and then the bureaucrats will say oh this is all divided on this oh i don't know oh, i don't know i tell you what just leave it alone. <laughs> Let's not do anything for a while. We'll put it into a transportation master plan, and uh, once that master plan has mastered... But the, the key to all this Horlicks is that the whole thing was just nonsense. I mean, if you're going to build a major infrastructure project with the aim of facilitating transport... Did you just say facilitating? I think I did. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Did, did I'm you gonna, ever? Hmm. I'm going to slap myself on the wrist for that. Um, if you do that, maybe what you do is you don't say the only way to do this is is to get a whole lot of private companies in to maximize profit on it what you say is what is our basic need here oh that's right it's a public transportation system it's not to fill up the government's coffers that's a subsidiary aim maybe at best so really what they should have done is built all the tunnels charged all the same and the traffic would have sorted well, like itself out. like the supermarkets out. do and the petrol yeah, stations yeah. do. It's I mean, not like hey, there's no yeah, form for yeah, it. No form. I mean, you know, it could have been done. I mean, this is so blindingly simple. No wonder it's not even being discussed as a, as, as a, as a rational proposal. Listen, you're the driver, so I'm going to defer yeah. to everything I you say. barely ever use the Western Tunnel, may I it's say. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's very If very you're in a clear. hurry, it's if, brilliant. If, no, I have used it when I'm in a great hurry, it's true. The, the thing about the central one... It's not the tunnel per se, it's the knock-on. Everybody wants to go to Happy Valley, which consequently yeah. jams up the tunnel, well, which I mean, jams up Waterloo yeah, Road. I mean, you know, that's true, that's true. You can't really get round the fact but that... But that's outside people, the tunnel area, isn't it? It's outside the tunnel area, you can't get round that. That's the structural... That's how Hong Kong's constructed. All you can do is move away the traffic that doesn't really need to go into that area to other tunnels. You know, for example... I live where I live is nearer to the Eastern Tunnel. I, I basically use that one because it's convenient. It's only a bit more expensive than the Central Tunnel, so you know I wear that for convenience. Um, Western Tunnel. Um, well, it's the other side. Do you? The, well, it's not really because I, you know, my company has an office in Tune One. It's actually very quick to use that tunnel. But there's a meanness in I'm me. I'm all right, Jack. So yeah, Steve finds. There's, there's a meanness in me that says I'm not effing paying double to go through that tunnel <laughs> and i think a Oi. lot of people a lot of people take that attitude but in a hurry i will use it but the thing is you know with all of these things you've got to sort out what is the basic need is your basic need transportation or is your basic need filling up the government coffers which incidentally are already overflowing with cash so you know all these people who are going around going oh, well you know this is very complicated actually i don't think it is and by the way things have changed i mean I don't. I, it should be much better now. The words Hong Kong are kryptonite to your average Kowloon taxi driver. It, it, well, there is that. There is that. And you know, the, 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 for people who live in the outlying areas who bring their cars in, one of the reasons they do that is because there's no incentive for them not to. You know, if you had all these satellite parking locations with next to public transport, particularly next to either the, the, the train system or the underground system, you would find that people would use it because people 
are not stupid. They will, you know, if it's convenient, they will do it. Well, yeah. So there's very little of these park and ride schemes in Hong Kong, which is almost fundamentally a no-brainer. I mean, I know in the, the cycling area of, of a maximum of three. In fact, I think it is only How three. How does that work, then? What happens? Well, basically, if you park your car outside the MTR station, you get a concessionary parking fee. Or in Saikung, you, you get brake fluid pulled all yeah, over that's it. that's right. <laughs> but, you know, if you park there you, and you use the MTR, you get a concessionary fee for parking. And, yeah. it, and it works like a dream. I mean, one of them is in the middle of a private housing estate, and they were obviously told to build it as a condition of the this is in Wukai Sha as a condition of the um the land lease or whatever it's called and uh, they they completely hide it so nobody knows it exists in fact when you go in a bloke stands there at the gate and, he goes, and says Shh. he says why are you going in and I go to park my car and he goes mm. MTR you know as, as though I'm sort of party to some <laughs> dirty little secret and I go hmm he goes Okay. Move on. Yeah. So I mean, you know, it's all it's all basically Horlicks, but you know, there are there are all sorts of ways that you could deal with the problem. There will still be traffic jams in Hong Kong because it's a very small place with a lot of people. I understand that. And incidentally, Hong Kong is is quite interesting in having so few roads relative to you know, most places you can say, Oh, I know a shortcut from here to here. In Hong Kong there aren't enough roads for those shortcuts. So you can't do it. So it does get congested. So what's the fundamental problem here? The fundamental problem is that they they will not run a transport system. They keep obsessing about, you know, who's gonna finance it, which companies are gonna make money out of it. Just ignore all that stuff. Just say, This is the problem. We've got to get people from A to B Till the chief secretary gets stuck in a traffic jam on his <laughs> yeah. way to the Hong Kong club or whatever. Oh, yes, well, that's entirely different. Or, or, or you know, the, 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 the famous remarks of these people who go, oh, I didn't know there were traffic jams in Hong Kong. That's because you've got a police escort that takes so you Patton through. Patton said that, didn't he? Yes. He said, he, did you remember Chris Patton? He, yeah. said, he said something yeah. like, um, Is really? yeah, the traffic's improved here. Mind you, I have four outriders or something <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this week. Yeah, actually, there's a, there's a direct parallel with this. You've got this week. You have Frank Chan, who's the Secretary for Housing, Transport and Tooth Cleaning, who, who, who goes along to the Hong Kong Federation of Youth Groups and says, oh, I don't know why you're all banging on about buying a house. That shouldn't be the most important thing. You know, there's much more important things in life. This is Frank Chan, who lives at the taxpayer's expense in something like a 3,000-square-foot apartment, probably on the peak or in mid-levels or somewhere. He pays threepence halfpenny rent, and he has the sheer gall to go out and say to people, oh, I don't know why you're have bothered. Have some cake. About. Yeah, have some cake, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, he, and then he goes, well, I don't, I don't own a house. Well, Mr Chan, you don't need to own a house. You, you've got the public subsidising your housing and in a very lavish manner. I mean, incidentally, Carrie Lam claims she yeah. can't afford to buy a property in Hong Kong. Well, Carrie, mm, that's an interesting point of view, but also think about that. They are massively expensive. I'm talking yeah. massively, and culture here dictates that people define themselves by owning four square walls. Fair enough. Well, I, I understand. I mean, I'm a homeowner myself. I understand why people buy houses. One reason is they don't <laughs> like to pay rent. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, it is absolutely obscene to have somebody like Frank Chan. And he, you know, he wonders why youth are alienated from the government. You can imagine all those people sitting there going, what? Planet, what does this man come from? There's one for you. That invitation to youth to oh, join yeah. these committees. Yes. Would you be caught dead if you were 16 and from Hong Kong? 
in one of these I things. I tell you what, you would, because you get a lot of a lot of free biscuits, a lot of free biscuits, and folding notes. Remember, they're paying them quite a lot of money. <laughs> yes, yes. So, step forward, members of the DAB. Oh, and listen, here's what goes down. Then they say the word independence in the wrong place, and yeah, then, and then they, they come uh, after them to get the money back. No, oh, and and no biscuits, and no biscuits, no biscuits whatsoever. There's a biscuit-free zone around those. Or just people. those nasty garden bakery ones. I mean, it, it, this is yet again. You know, this is yet again government thinking. I tell you what, there's a problem with youth. Let's settle it by putting some young people, by which I mean very young people, possibly, on a committee. That will, that will, that will sort it out. I can't help thinking that this notion of getting all these people, you know, on these committees, it's that thing in, in war where they partition. They, the, the kid doesn't know he's actually been surrounded. And it's yeah. not about hearing the kid's point of view. It's about reaching a consensus, which means doing it our way. And it means, it means I mean, you, you wait and see who they put on those committees. Because you know who goes on government committees. It's all the usual suspects. So, young DAB, your gravy train has arrived. You will, you will, all those kids, will, or kids, young people, young persons, whatever they are, mm. will be on those committees. Um, they'll have a few sort of spiky, you know, spiky non-pro-establishment people on. So they can say, oh, you've got all shades of opinion on here. Oh, I can tell you, Belton Road. Um, you know, some of them believe in the Greater Bay Area, so that's very good. Um <laughs> Perhaps, perhaps a young Henry Tang will go. And they won't have actually kids from the Greater Kowloon Bay area who no, perhaps should be on no, these things. Well, you know, they're sort of lower class. I don't really think they'd understand it, and they wouldn't appreciate it, and they wouldn't feel comfortable in a committee like that. So I think, on the whole, it's in their own interest to be excluded. And may I say that, if you've applied, you can <clears throat> off. Yes, Minister. Mm.